Our words do not describe the world that we live in, but rather they determine the world we live in. Welcome to the Zen Stoic Path, where we share a modern take on timeless wisdom to help you develop unshakable inner peace so that you can live a liberated life. I'm your host, Victor Pierantoni, and the co-founder and head liberation coach. Be sure to follow me on social at victor.liberatedlife for daily content. Let's get into the show. In this episode, we're going to be discussing something that has the potential to absolutely change your life. And the best part about it is that it is something that you can action immediately. It doesn't take any prep. It doesn't take anything that you have to go and read or do any study on. It's all it takes is that you choose what I'm about to discuss. The other side of this is that we may be sabotaging ourselves on an unconscious level every single day conditioning ourselves to go deeper and deeper into our problems. And it's with something so simple, something that we use every single day. And that something is our words. Now, we've discussed before on this podcast the idea of integral speech from the Zen Stoic rendition of the Eightfold Path. Now, integral speech is all about speaking truthfully, speaking sincerely, and speaking in service of yourself and others. It is not about speaking against yourself and others, which is how we end up sabotaging ourselves to a significant degree. See, our words have great power, and the way that we use language makes a massive difference in how we experience life. Now, one of the reasons that I decided to talk about this on this particular episode is because I've been immersed as a coaching assistant in an NLP practitioner training with NLP Freedom, which is the company of a great friend and mentor of mine. And as we're going through this, we spent an entire day on language, 10 hours. And the way that this ties into Zen Stoic is that Zen Stoic is a path of liberation. It is a philosophy that guides us towards liberation. And the style of coaching that I do in my business for my clients is what I call liberation coaching. And liberation coaching is the berating of these three disciplines, Zen Buddhism, Stoic philosophy, and NLP or neurolinguistic programming. Now, for those of you who are unfamiliar with what NLP is, NLP is basically a user manual for your brain. <laughs> it is how we understand how to operate the different functions of our neurology and how we use language to interact with our minds and how we actually shift and change results. NLP is based on the study of excellence and the main aim of it is to produce results. Now, the lineage that I study under is the lineage of Tad James. He recently passed away, but, and Tad James recently passed away. Now, in some circles, NLP has a mixed reputation. <laughs> some people think it's amazing. Some people associate it with others manipulating. Now, the way that I always like to look at NLP is that NLP is just a tool. It is a tool like anything else, and it can be a very sharp tool, a sharp tool that can get results or a sharp tool that can cause others to use it nefariously. So I always like to give the disclaimer that it has everything to do with the intention of why you're using it, why you're using the tool that you're using, which is why with Zen Stoic, we always talk about this idea of intentions and delusions because your intention is the one thing that you cannot hide from yourself. But I really love the definition that the late Tad James gave to NLP when he discussed reinventing NLP. And he had said that NLP, hypnosis and timeline therapy, is an induction of profound change in the state of consciousness of a client through a cooperative flow of energy and ideas. This definition really encapsulates 
a huge degree of intentionality to affect others positively and use it with an ecological intention, with an, an intention that serves the greater good and the bigger picture of humanity itself. We spent 10 hours on language alone because the words that we use affect our neurology in a very profound way. So when we look at it from the philosophical perspective of speaking sincerely or not speaking deceptively and using a sense of integral speech, we also want to understand what is this doing in our minds? What is this doing in our bodies? One thing that absolutely blew my mind was this. Now, when we think about our neurotransmitters, our neurotransmitters don't just exist in the brain. Our neurotransmitters bathe every cell in the body. This is something that was talked about by Deepak Chopra in Quantum Healing and how your thinking has a direct reflect on your physiology. Your immune system, in other words, is eavesdropping on your internal dialogue. Therefore, the words that we use and the emotions that they create affect our ability to heal, affect our ability to recover, and they make a massive difference in how we view reality and how we view ourselves. So we want to be very conscious about how we use language. If we are to demand the best of ourselves, if we are to truly focus on what we can control, our words are a huge piece of that puzzle and being able to be very conscious of our language allows us to use it in a way that is intentional in a way that is not mindless because oftentimes we end up destroying ourselves and destroying our moods simply by the way that we use our words so the way that we want to think about it is like this all of our beliefs all of our memories all of our experiences our views on life are held within our neurology. Now, one connection that I like to make with this is that whole idea that I talk about very often on this podcast because of how important it is, which is the finger pointing at the moon is not the moon, which essentially what that is saying is that the symbol pointing at reality is not reality itself. So the teachings, the methods, these things are just pointing mechanisms towards a truth towards an observable direct experience, but they are not the direct experience itself. Now, here's how this works with words. Words are our symbols for reality. They filter reality and then they shape reality. And the importance of this is realizing that oftentimes words are not just words. The way that we use words determines what we are actually pointing at. And most of the time when we use words unconsciously or mindlessly, what we're doing is we're actually pointing at our problems rather than pointing towards a solution. Now, the more and more we point at our problems, the more locked in those problems become in our neurology. In order to get through our problems, we must think and speak beyond our problems into solutions. So we want to use our words in service of ourselves and others. We want to point to solutions, not point to problems. So I'll give some examples of how this can work. Now, this is one of the most fundamental things that I work on with my clients in coaching because of its power. It seems very small. It seems very minuscule. But the way that your words compound throughout your entire day between the 75 to 90,000 thoughts you have a day and then the words that you speak to yourself and others, whether it's internally or externally, have a massive effect. These things build up and they create your reality. One thing that I thought was really interesting about the, the language day and this training that I've been a part of is that NLP is the realization that our words do not describe the world that we live in, but rather they determine the world we live in. In other words, using our language to point towards our problems locks our problems into our neurology. If we have a belief about ourselves that maybe I'm not good enough or a belief about ourselves that I'll, no matter how hard I try, I'm going to fail. If we have these beliefs, the more and more we speak through them as filters unconsciously or mindlessly, 
the more they lock into our reality and the more we end up seeing evidence in our reality that makes those things true. This may seem a little bit complex at first, but I'm going to tie it all together. So the way that we want to think about it is like this. In our reality, the human brain can process 120 bits of information per second. And in our modern world, we get hit with 11 million bits of information per second. How do we know which of those bits of information to actually focus on, to actually take in consciously and to do anything about? It has everything to do with what we've stored in our neurology via our words and the ways that we describe reality. Essentially, what this does is it activates something called the reticular activating system or the RAS for short. Now, the reticular activating system determines what you actually find to be important. So what directs the reticular activating system? A lot of it is directed by what we engage in emotionally and how we use our words, how we describe reality. So I'll give you a picture of this. Imagine somebody throwing 120 toothpicks at you, right? You can handle that. But if somebody instead threw 11 million toothpicks at you, it would be overwhelming. We don't have the ability to process that much information. So what our brains do is they distort, they delete, and they generalize. And basically what that means is that out of those 11 million toothpicks, you're going to only see 120 of them. Consciously, you're going to only be able to catch 7 plus or minus 2 of those toothpicks. So what determines what we actually see? Our reticular activating system is activated by our values, beliefs, memories experiences, and emotions. So the way that we activate these things are through our language. Our language are what build those things and give them power within our system. And if in our neurology we've constructed a world that is always pointing to our problems, then what we're going to notice in the world constantly is evidence that our problems are real, evidence that we are trapped within the things that we find difficult. So one of the ways that I use this in coaching is I'm always paying attention to the way a client is speaking to me. And most of the time, we are using our words unconsciously. So here are four words that are absolutely crushing your ability to see solutions and your ability to be at your best and be productive. So here are the things that I hear most often. I have to, I should, I need to, I want to. These four words are expressing something really interesting. So the first one, I have to, violates our sovereignty. It essentially, what it's doing is implying to ourselves that we don't have a choice in the matter. So when you're talking about things that you need to do, like you need to get that thing done that you've been procrastinating on, whether it's you know starting to write your book or starting your business or cleaning your house or going to make a workout plan or meal prep or whatever it is, if you say, I have to, you start to imply that you don't have a choice. You start to take your sovereignty away and you're using your words to basically take the power outside of yourself as if something is making you do this thing, something beyond yourself. The, the second word is I should. Every time we say our I should, we can think of I should as a social platitude, a thing that, a thing that tells other people that we acknowledge the importance of the thing that we need to do. And we would really like to do it, but deep down what we're saying is, I'm not going to do it. Whenever you say I should do something, you're really telling yourself, that sounds great, that sounds important, but I'm not doing it. However, it's socially unacceptable to say that, so we say, I should. The other word that we use is I need to. I need to do something. Again, acknowledging the importance and the urgency of something, 
but not necessarily making a commitment to do so. And lastly, I want to. Now, this is a tricky one because it is important to want and it is natural for a human to desire things and to want things. However, when we use this language of I want this, I want that, what we're doing is we're actually expressing not having. I want to points to the lack of having something. You cannot want things that you already have unless, of course, you train yourself to do that. And that's a whole other topic on wanting and desiring from a place of gratitude. So that's a whole other thing. But I could cover that in another episode. But the whole idea is like anytime we say I have to, I, I should, I need to, I want to, we're actually using our language in a disempowering way. So you can replace those words anytime you're speaking about a commitment with the following. I choose to. I choose to is my favorite one because it puts you in the place of sovereignty. It puts you into the place of deliberately focusing on your free will and exercising that by making a choice. And the other one is I will acknowledges a sense of commitment. It is, a, it is a word that points to commitment. So when you're using your language, speak in these ways. I've seen people's lives and the way that they look at the world change in a matter of days just by getting into the habit of using these words, just by switching their language over. One last piece to this is the following. Oftentimes when we discuss our problems, we speak in statements. When we speak in statements, what we're doing is we're engaging in the delusion of control because statements convince your brain that what you're saying is a fact. Instead, if we turn things into questions, it tells our brain that there is a solution that we're trying to find, that this is something that can be solved. Let's say you say to yourself, I can't make the amount of money I want to make, or I can't find a partner that truly loves me, or I can't lose the weight and get fit the way I want to. Your brain is going to take that as a fact. We've just used a series of words to trap ourselves in our problem. Instead, you can ask yourself, how can I make the money that I want to make? How can I show up in a way that attracts the person that would truly love me? How can I get healthy? Using questions opens up your mind. Anytime we use statements, we're closing our minds. So anytime we use statements of limitation, what we do is we trap ourselves within our problems. So the key takeaways from this episode are use your words mindfully. Speak the way that you want to see the world, the way that you want to see your reality, the way that you want to see yourself. Speak in that way. Exchange the words of I have to, I should, I need to, I want to with I choose to, I will. This will change the way that you feel when you speak about the things that you actually desire. And lastly, anytime you're making a statement that is entrapping you in your problem, remember that you're strengthening the bounds of your problem and you're making it harder and harder to break out. So instead, turn your statements into questions. Ask your question in the direction of solution and your brain will begin to seek answers. It will begin to seek things in the environment and notice things. You will activate your reticular activating system so that you begin to notice things in the environment that will help you towards your solution. One of the best ways to create unshakable inner peace is to action the insights you get from this episode in your everyday life. It is like Bruce Lee once said, knowing is not enough, we must apply. Willing is not enough, we must do. Go out and action what you've taken away from this episode and share it with us in the Liberated Life community, where you'll be connected with a tribe of people becoming better every day through daily meditation, self-reflection, and accountability coaching.